Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock, Thomas Miller here, and we are going to talk about something that is going to kind of rock your astrological world. This is one of those things that you do not hear everywhere, but you're going to hear it here. You know that you have three astrology charts? Yes, you have your natal chart. That one never goes away. But there are other charts that you can also put up and read that you probably haven't thought about in a long, long time. Also, we're going to be looking at some charts in this episode, and the links to the charts are in the show notes. So be sure to catch those so you can follow along. All right, Robert, we can look beyond our natal chart. Illuminate us, please. Great point, Thomas. Everybody does have three horoscopes. Almost nobody does this. Nobody uses it. It's always been there since time immemorial, these three horoscopes. You have a timed birth chart. That's the natal chart that everyone wants. So you have a time from a birth certificate, and that sets the wheel, the house cusp, and so on for that chart. So you have the, the natal chart. You also have a solar chart, which everybody knows. A solar chart is, for example, what we use when we don't have a birth time. And there still are people who don't know their birth time and don't have a birth time. It's not on the certificate or whatever. So a solar chart is simply in in your software. If you have a time natal chart, just pick the house systems, the house settings, and simply put the sun on the ascendant. If you don't have a timed chart, and occasionally I still get clients who don't have, then all you do is set up a horoscope for noon on the day that they were born in the location they were born. So you have the moon's position at noon. But in your software, you select sun on the ascendant. And that's the definition of a solar chart. So the moon in a solar chart may vary six degrees on either side of where it was at noon, but you still have a valid chart. If you have a time birth chart, all you have to do is just simply go to the house systems and choose sun on the ascendant and then study that chart. You can actually do this with every planet in your chart. You can put any planet you like on the ascendant, which means you're now looking at that at your birth horoscope through the lens of that particular planet and its meanings and so on. But if you put the sun on the ascendant, if you look at your solar horoscope, it is absolutely as valid and as readable as your natal chart. And the third chart we all have, the natural wheel, which begins with zero degrees Aries. And you just plug your birth planets in that. And I use it, and certainly the natural wheel, you're going to use equal houses. So those are the three charts, and you can study transits to them. But it's it's fascinating, particularly to look at the solar chart in relationship to your life. You will absolutely get meanings out of that that you never even realized before. And often you will get confirmation of things that are in the birth charts but since you're looking at it from a different perspective now in the solar chart you can suddenly see a whole different take on for example in my chart i have saturn and cancer on my seventh cusp in the in the natural wheel that begins with zero degree aries that saturn and cancer is in my fourth house of the father Whereas in my natal chart, that Saturn in Cancer is in the seventh house, and it's how you say afflicted. It's in a grand cross. 
So what's interesting to me is from my natal horoscope perspective, I can look, study my seventh house about marriage and love and all the issues I've had with that as a result of Saturn and a grand crossover there. But the minute I look at the natural wheel, suddenly that Saturn's in my fourth house and it is begging me, look at your relationship with your father in connection with love and marriage in your life boom bingo you've got a whole other insight to think about and explore and the same goes with the solar chart when i put the solar chart up i've got my son on the ascendant at eight libra and saturn is in my 10th house in my solar chart again totally readable and it's just something i think everybody can benefit i i really encourage people to learn to just think through astrology on there think about the planets think about the house meanings think about the aspects and so on but think it through and any chart suddenly becomes even if you don't think you'd i will say talking about a configuration like a mystic rectangle or something and people what is that is well just think it through and you can do that with these three charts too i think they're invaluable I love what you're advocating here, and I'll tell you why. Is now I'm a novice, you know. I was I was still in diapers. Get the thought of this. I was still in diapers when you started doing astrology, and I'm 62. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I a- hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> well, because mainly I don't much think of age anyway, and you're such an old soul. Uh, to me, it, it just had never occurred to me that you would be in diapers when I started. When I was in diapers when you, I was born in October of 59. Well, you, surely you were out of diapers by the time I started in 65. I've been a late bloomer all my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, almost diapers. Well, I didn't grow up until I was like 50, you know? So, I mean... <laughs> But you <laughs> point is you've been doing this a long, long time, and, and I've I'm been still waiting to grow up. Yeah, and I've been doing it for like you know n- no time at all in comparison. But when I started doing readings and I started putting this together and putting it out there, I was jumping around with house systems because there's a depth of reading that you can get when you explore different angles on the chart. Absolutely. And one of the things that I noticed was that people would come back and they would say, yeah, but which one is right? <laughs> and the point is, yeah, the answer is yes, right? They, they, all, all, they are. are all three right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the mystery and the magic of astrology. And even to take it a step further in all deference and fairness to our Vedic friends, if you throw the chart into sidereal, you get a profound reading there, too. Somebody can really light you up. So you're talking about three different perspectives. And I guess the thing to get in mind is because, like, let's take what you're saying. You put up the solar chart. Instead of the ninth house sun, you then have a first house sun. Those are two different suns. Correct. So how do you get out of the box to be able to see each one as what they are? I don't know what do you mean by the box. I'm not sure there. I, I mean, I totally understand my ninth house sun, and I also understand my solar chart with my sun on the first house. I have my sun conjunct Neptune, all right, within four degrees. So no matter where I put it, that's always going to be true for me. So it's in the ninth house along with Jupiter and Mercury and Mars, actually, in my natal chart. 
in my solar chart, it's the Sun conjunct Neptune on my ascendant, and it places Mercury and Jupiter in my 12th house in Virgo. And guess what I do for a living? It's all 12th house, all of it. I've been a writer all my life and an astrologer all of my life, my adult life. And by writer, I mean writing, publishing 250,000 words a year for American astrology. So I'm talking about real serious deadline writing and then television writing for 15 years, both. So that's absolutely enough. So with, with what you're now looking at through the solar chart, instead of having a loaded ninth house, like I do in my natal chart, I have a loaded 12th house. In many ways, it's the same thing. It's that metaphysical, spiritual, analytical with Mercury and Jupiter and Virgo bent that I have. I'm a skeptic by nature, as I keep telling people. And I only got into astrology because it worked. And it's it worked stunningly in my case uh, to be told by an old book written in the 30s that you have a mole mark or a scar on the left side of your head or face from age five. Uh, that brought me up short. I really thought, wait a minute. I thought this was all going to be, well, you have a sunny disposition and you're, you know, you're like people, general statements like that. Oh, no. And of course, that's what hooked me. So I'm a skeptic by nature and I, and yet I'm also experimental. So this solar chart places all of this emphasis on the 12th house, which is a, it, it's a different house than the ninth. Uh, only in the sense that it's a little more collective than even the ninth house, isn't it? Certainly, is more spiritual and metaphysical. Uh, I can look at, for example, the out-of-body experiences that I had during that one year when I was in this car accident. I can look at that from the ninth house, which happens to rule accidents, incidentally. And, and get a lot of information about it because it absolutely changed my life. But I can also look at it now in the, in the solar chart from it's a 12th house aspect. And that is totally true for me. So it's affected everything in my life, including my health, which is fine. Uh, it, my health would not have been fine had I not gotten into astrology. And I think that's the thing people forget. They think, Oh, that's all faded. Well, it's faded if you don't do anything about it, but the whole point of astrology to me is to point out your weaknesses as well as your strengths, and you start taking a look at your weaknesses and thinking about them. What can I do about them? And that's the attitude to take, is what can I, is this my fate? That's the first thing I thought when I looked at my horoscope in that old book. I have a horrible chart, and I thought, is there anything I can do about it? You bet there is, and that's the whole point of this. So these different perspectives uh, give you a lot of, of different insights, especially, for example, when I was talking about uh, the zero, to the natural wheel. Can you do that? I mean, I, you've got my solar chart up there. I, I know people aren't able to see these things. I'll put the links to these in the, um, oh, okay, in the show good. notes. Yeah, so they will. And I'll announce okay. that, too. Uh, okay. So now, if you look at this chart, you see the moon and Aries rising. This is the natural days. wheel chart. This is the natural wheel. And all it tells you off the bat, you moved around a lot when you were a child, didn't you? No joke. So I was born on the move, and I love to move. 
traveling. Now, that said, I moved a couple of years ago for the first time in 20 years. I had lived in the previous place 20 years. That's an anomaly for me. But the reason for that is, of course, your solar arcs progress these planets. So my moon today, by solar arcs, is in a completely different position. So you can read this chart just like uh, a natal chart if you want to. Uh, so the moon rising is one of these guys. I'm very much my own man with the moon and Aries. Nobody can tell me what to do, all of that stuff uh, that you get with Aries. And it trines uh, Pluto in my fifth house of, of creativity in Leo. So that, that that trine from the moon to Pluto is a big key in my life, which it certainly is. My whole life has been following my bliss. I didn't even know I was doing it. I didn't know anything about Joseph Campbell, but that's exactly what I've done from the time that I was 19 on. I realized, uh, I want to be an actor. And that's why I went to California and was one for about four years. But meanwhile, astrology found me almost the minute that I landed there. And it's equally creative and more so, I think, than anything, more even than acting. So it, the creativity that's accented in my natural wheel is Pluto in Leo. And if you think of Pluto as if you have any obsessive compulsive behaviors, that's Pluto. Look to the house it's in. So it just gives you a different kind of perspective. But the main thing, for example, in this chart was realizing that my, my seventh house Saturn in my natal chart is now in my fourth house of the father. And when I think about that, my father lost his father when he was 10 years old. So you can see the loss uh, in his fourth house. I mean, excuse me, in my fourth house, he's ruled by that house. So the fourth house becomes my father's first house. And there is Saturn in Cancer, the loss of a parent early in life. And my dad's parent, look at this, my dad's father died when my dad was 10 years old. And that is the degree of this Saturn. Wow. So you can get these kinds of clues by looking at all three horoscopes. And I have to mention one thing too. I have only had one client like this in my life. It's about three years ago. She was born in Vietnam. She had been a student in my orary classes and it turned out not only did she not have a time of birth, she didn't even know the day of her birth because there were no, she didn't know who her parents were in Vietnam. So she will never have a natal horoscope ever. And I, she said, what? And I said, you're the only person I've ever met that is totally free from any natal horoscope ever you can futz around and have speculative charts all you want to but that's all they will ever be the only guide of astrology you can use is orary i've never known anybody else like that wow interesting let me ask you a question that you may not know but just wander with me here on speculating what is it about setting the sun to the ascendant point or in this case, setting the chart to where the chart begins in zodiacal order at zero degrees Aries. What do you think it is about that that makes this difference? A solar chart is, is very ancient. That's what we still use today when we don't know a time of birth. But really what we're doing 
is simply, and your, your software will do this for you, we're simply studying our lives or our, our natal horoscope through the lens of a particular planet, whatever planet we choose to put on the ascendant. And of course, the sun is the life force. It's the most important symbol in astrology, the most important point. So it's uh, when you place the sun on the ascendant, you're looking at your life through the life force lens. Here, we're looking at at my uh, natural wheel, which turns out to have the moon on it. So this tells an astrologer, the most important element in this guy's life is not his sun. It's his moon. It's in the natural wheel. Wow. And that tells me information, too. And I, uh, too, I have a very immature moon. It's in an immature sign, Aries, or let's say a naive sign, an innocent sign in that sense, a newborn sign. First sign, yeah. And the first sign, and it's at three degrees, so it's at the very beginning of it. I have, by nature, I have a very childish emotional makeup, impulsive, uh, headstrong, fearless, accident-prone, probably very smart, because Aries is, not necessarily schooled or disciplined, but smart, native intelligence, and very active, a mind that never goes to sleep. So you can see suddenly you've got a ream of information here that that is in fact, and the moon is also my planet in earliest degree. So it becomes a very important planet in my point to be aware of. I think Grant Louis is the one, he took my sun-moon combination, which is Libra, Sun, Aries, Moon, and basically said, you, you must ignore the dictates of the moon and concentrate on, well, how do you do that? <laughs> I don't know how you ignore, but that's what you're doing. You can take a planet like Venus and place it on the ascendant. And what you're looking at there is your love nature. So you're focusing. In other words, if you place a planet or point on the ascendant, then you're looking at your life through that archetype. So if you want to know about your capacity for action and ambition and drive and so on, put the Mars on the ascendant and study it. Wow. In relationship to it, yeah. This so is great. Yeah. This is incredible. All right, we're going to do a whole episode upcoming on solar arcs, so we, we won't go into the weeds on solar arcs, but then how do you add the progressions, either the secondary progression or the solar arc, to the context of these three charts that we're talking about here? Well, you can do the same thing if you if you advance your own natal horoscope. Uh, by solar arc. And you can also use solar arcs with uh, the solar chart. If you don't know a time of birth, you can use solar arcs for everything except the moon or the ascendant or the midheaven, because in a solar chart, you don't have an ascendant or a midheaven. You don't know the time of birth. So, but, and the moon, since you're not sure, you've, you've calculated the moon for its noon, noon position on that day. So you don't know for sure where that moon is either. So you cannot advance it either by progressions or solar arcs with any kind of accuracy, but everything else you can, because solar arcs, I don't use progressions anymore, but solar arcs advance roughly one degree for a year. So you're, you're even in a, a solar chart, Mercury is going to be where it is. And so everything will be pretty much where it is in a time chart, except for the moon. And that's the only one you can't advance by solar arcs. So if you don't know somebody's birth time and you're using a solar chart or looking at your own solar chart, 
if you have a time birth chart, you can progress your sun or, or solar arc, your sun to the present, and then set up a solar chart for that. Take your soul, put your solar arc sun on the ascendant. Now, what you find with solar arcs, since every planet advances by the same solar arc, the solar arc chart looks like, at first glance, it looks identical to the birth chart. The planets are all in the same houses. They're in the same aspect relationships with each other, but they're in different signs and different decanates and different duads. That's the big difference. So you can take a solar arc chart and place the sun on the ascendant to read a, the solar solar arc chart, if you will. That may get confusing. Do you? Am I being clear enough here? Uh, if not, they got a rewind button. <laughs> Go back and listen again. <laughs> All right. One of the benefits of the job that I have is I get to throw my chart up and, and get a little side thing. And so I did, and I'll put the link to that in the notes as well. If you want to see my, uh, I'm just going, we're just going to do the natural wheel, but I just, boy, first thing my eyes landed on, of course, is the big eyesore in my chart. The definition of my life is that stellium at 666 Scorpio, <laughs> which now in this chart is in the eighth house of transformation. Mm-hmm. What is the whole theme of my life? What's my whole life been about? Exactly that. And you know, Linda Goodman, as usual, quadruple Aries, she loved to thumbnail everything. And I never forgot it either. I think we were riding around the car one day in Los Angeles. Scorpio, sex, death, and religion. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> and she's right. Well, I haven't died yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, death and rebirth, you see. And that's what the eighth house is about because we don't die. I love pointing this out to people. We are dying right now, this instant. There's not one cell, one tissue, one organ in your body that was there seven years ago because cells die off and are sloughed off and they are replaced constantly. So there's not one cell in your body today that was there. So you have been dying for the last seven years, completely unaware of it. You don't notice it. It's gone on. And that's the truth about death. So it's a fact. So I love this ceiling of yours in the eighth house. I also love the South note in Aries yes. in, in, in your, in your, uh, natural wheel here. this is kind of interesting if you guys toggle between robert's natural wheel and my natural wheel his moon is at three degrees aries my south node is at three degrees aries and your whole life then looking looking at it through this perspective of the natural wheel the first thing you see rising is the south node in aries and the north node in libra so that the conditioning the programming is thomas Please other people, get married, have children, do the expected things, and don't ruffle feathers. And this, of course, is at the sacrifice of what you want to do, which is the South Node in Aries, so that this whole life, through this perspective, becomes, here's the existential conflict, if you will. Are you going to live this life the way you want to live it, Thomas? Or are you going to live it the way other people want you to? Yeah, the old line. So how's that been working for you? (laughs) (laughs) It's worked out very well for you. (laughs) Well, when I tried to please everybody else, yeah, not so much. Well, and then, you know, you've got in the natural, you have Saturn up in, in its home sign, Capricorn, on the 10th, which gives your whole focus in life is on your career. 
I, I, when I first started looking at this, and I realized that Saturn was on the bending of the node, if you wanted to use mm-hmm. that term, or in a T-square to my nodes to use that term. I mean, it's right on it. It's one degree away. But I'd always said that as I looked at my life through the lens of astrology, that Saturn was, in essence, sitting on top of my chart just watching everything. Well, call it well, up, folks. There it, it is. <laughs> it's sitting right you know, on top. Saturn is really where a person's karmic focus is, if you want to put it that way. It's where you have the greatest challenges and also the greatest successes, if you know what you're doing. For example, uh, marriage has never worked out for me, and I didn't understand truly why until probably I was 50. Uh, but the truth about me is I value my career above anything that's just it may sound selfish as hell but that's the truth so do you yeah saturn's dominated and and this is a big dilemma in people's lives many people i know are able to combine a pretty obsessive compulsive career with a successful marriage and family they're few and far between uh i've seen very successful and happy marriages in hollywood for example those also are few and far between. It's a very difficult kind of life to choose to raise a family, and you can do it, uh, and and people do. But when you're like I am, or maybe like you are, especially with Saturn and Capricorn, you know, you were raised, I think, in an environment that gave you all the rules for living through the Bible or through the religious structure and so on, which is the Jupiter and, and Mercury in your ninth house in Sag. And it's a very positive kind of upbringing to have in, in one way. What, what happens, though, is with Pluto squaring your Mercury-Jupiter, you begin to realize, hmm, this prefab way of living that's been handed to me through and look you absolutely would have been successful as a minister with mercury and jupiter up there in the ninth in the natural wheel which didn't you think about that at some point i did but i tell you what when i turned to broadcasting my sophomore year of college i always was thankful for that because if i had gone into the ministry and you know what's happened both in the Catholic Church and then just recently that big study that the Southern Baptists did on themselves about all the hidden sexual abuse that the mm. executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention hid and tapped out for 20 years. That stellium would have gotten me in trouble. Well, you know, at birth, you got Pluto squared to your Mercury and, and Jupiter and Sag in the ninth. And basically what that is, is an awareness of the hypocrisy, I don't know a better word for it, that is inherent in in many religions. For example, the Southern Baptists who are very preoccupied with sex and what people do in bed and mainly controlling that as in fact a lot of religions are because they want to keep the religion populated and so on pluto but you were, yeah. you were you were very aware of all of this at an early age actually and so what happens is you can see uh oh this is always a sign uh if, if people's words and their actions don't match you're dealing with either a liar or a hypocrite it's just that simple exactly why don't they match why do you say this and tell me how to live my reproductive life while meanwhile you're meeting hookers at the motel eight out on the highway or the better or the other question is when is it going to all come out 
or when is it going to come? So, and that's what that that said. It's a con a conflict, in other words. So, in the, in your chart, it's interesting how that plays out. So, but it comes back to this south node rising in your natural wheel. It's in Aries. Are you going to make your own way to God, or are you going to accept what you've been told in these books that have been handed down? And this is a big conflict inherent in all religions, because when you hear someone say, this is the word of God, what they're really saying to you is, this is what some man says is the word of God. But we can never know that. All we can know is that this is what a man, usually a man in the old days, and now women too, this is what another human being says God said. And it may be true, or it may not be true, but you can never know. And so to put that forth as claiming, you know, we know how the Bible was put together and compiled at the Constantinople Congress in 315 AD from all sorts of writings. But those were declared, these are the official words of God right here. Well, men decided that. Men wrote these stories. There's the oldest uh, account of Jesus's uh, crucifixion in the Bible was written some 125 years after the date of the crucifixion. There are no eyewitnesses to the crucifixion. And so, so you're now stuck with having to either accept man's word of God and some other man's or your own. And once you can find that connection that we're all born with to God itself, then the need for uh, religion begins to lessen. And I think that's maybe what's going on today in the country. You know, this is the first time in history that polling in America has shown that fewer than 50% of Americans go to church every week anymore. First time in history that's happened. And it's much more than that when you get into the under 40 demographic. So people's attitudes about religions, religion is changing, certainly in this country and, and elsewhere. And it's a fascinating phenomenon to yeah, watch. Yeah, this is amazing. And especially when you sit here and, as you say, there's the South Node trining. When I finally took responsibility for finding God myself, my whole life changed. Hey, I want to ask you something on the way out here as we wrap this up. What about putting transits over these first Absolutely. house? Yeah, Absolutely. tell us about that. Well, it's just like any other chart. You can absolutely put a transit over it. In your chart right now, where do we have Mars? In Taurus? Yes, 20 All degrees. Right. All right, so you can look at Taurus. It just it, transiting Mars is in your second house and in conjunct Uranus, of course. So you can flat out say making money through astrology. Yeah, exactly. But it's more than that because it's Uranus transiting this house, and this is it's been in in your second in your second natural wheelhouse for several years now which is the rise of astrology in your own life it's in your second natural wheelhouse so your self-worth in this in this natural wheel kicked in as far as astrology went if you go back and look at when astrology entered taurus it entered your second house in the natural wheel and your self-worth became more uranian and it's permanent because it's Taurus. So the changes that you've been going through since and still are, it's right. Basically, Uranus is in the middle of, of Taurus. And Mars has been activating that just recently. What are you doing right now, Thomas? <laughs> I'm doing astrology uh, how many times? Six or seven or eight or ten times a week now. 
leading a group, and I'm I'm sure that as we're having our little group event coming up here in North Carolina, that astrology will be mentioned, and uh, and doing audio books and the whole thing. Yeah. So it's that whole Uranian metaphysical field, and you're having a whole group convergence experience here that you are hosting. So look at the Ed there. You could go, there's that transit of Mars and Uranus in your second house in the natural wheel. Yeah, that's so your self worth now, if you look, and you would only get this if you look at this natural wheel. Your whole self worth is now characterized by this. I've always said too that when you run out of soap, you would you would phrase this differently, I think. But when you run out of soap or you can't find the answers to your dilemma, you're sitting there with a life crisis that you can't resolve. And you do understand at least your like my stellium is in Scorpio. Look at the other side of the chart. Your answers are over there. So over there right now in the sky, as you said, is this long transit of Uranus through Taurus that is baking astrology into my existence for the rest of my life. And also, if you look at this same natural wheel for your chart, Thomas, transiting Pluto has been going through a Capricorn and your 10th house for over, what, 12, 13 years, 14 years? Long it's time. about. But the main point is it is about to enter Aquarius. So if you think that you, you are an influence in broadcasting, especially in medical metaphysical fields like Aquarius astrology and metaphysics, if you think you are a broadcasting guru now, just wait. When Pluto ingresses into Aquarius and your 11th house, everything that you've accomplished so far through fun astrology and everything else that you're doing kicks into a gear like you've never known. It goes much bigger. It's collect. It's Aquarius now. And it's all broadcasting. It's all Uranus and Aquarius. All of the podcasts and videos and anything else that you do along these lines, publishing, ebooks, on and on and on. But the Pluto transit to your natural wheel chart is where you get that. Yeah, so your career is about to go into a gear that you, even you, might not have anticipated. And it's just slow moving. You know, Pluto is going to be in Aquarius for a long time, too. So this is a major, major life change in terms of your career and its reach. Well, I'm glad that you're on board with it and you, you'll be <laughs> dragged along with it, the whole thing. So that's great. Thank you for that information and for illuminating us to these different perspectives on our life. What a great treasure. Uh, question, when you do a reading, do you incorporate these in every reading or just some? No, I don't incorporate as a rule. I could, but I I don't. But I'll tell you what I do do. I'm. It's very easy uh, after you've been doing this a while to look at a natal chart and just mentally picture a solar chart. Okay, if, sure. if you want to, or right. to picture a natural wheel chart, so you can do it mentally as opposed to actually graphically having a, a printed chart on the screen while you're working. That is, at least in your teenage and beyond years of astrology, and since I'm still in diapers sucking on a bottle, <laughs> I've got a ways to go. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate this. Thank you, Thomas. If you'd like to talk to Robert one-on-one -on -one about a reading, you can find the information to that in the show notes. Again, if you didn't catch it earlier, the links to all of the charts are in the show notes. 
And our Discord channel link is in there as well. You can continue the conversation there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. <music>